Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freelin, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 268. We've got Kamara Usman, Colby Covington 2, as well as Rose Namajunas versus Wiley Zhang 2. Those are two really exciting title fights. The whole main card is dotted with superstars. But of course, those of you who frequent the show know we will not be talking about that portion of the card at all. No, 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 no. We are looking only at the prelim portion of the card because this is the prelim primer. And... Uh, for those of you who might be new to the show and asking yourself, why just the prelims? The answer is really simple. The answer is, we know you guys know who these main card fighters are. We know that you, you probably have really strong feelings about Kamar Usman or Colby Covington or Justin Gaethje or Michael Chandler, or any of these people, but you probably don't know a lot of these names on the prelims. And that's where there's tons of money to be won, whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, whether you're betting, whether you want to win a pick'em contest, whatever it is, there's a lot of money to be won there. So we're here to help you out with it. Now, before we get started with the episode, I did want to mention that this episode is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there's more previews, recaps, analysis, and podcasts than you can shake a stick at. It's far too much, and when you're looking to get that edge, it can be hard to block out all of the noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, yours truly included, and all of their incredible content is packaged into an intuitive app right in the palm of your hand, for free. That's right. It's 100% for free with no ads. There's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on in the show. But for right now, go to the All-Star app in the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io. Now, usually here is the part of the show where I would tell you that I've got a savvy co-host on here to help me break things down. Well, for the very first time here, the Prelim Primer is going to be solo. That's right. You were just hearing the soulful tones of Gumby Vreeland all by himself today. I had some scheduling issues. Uh, I spent this weekend in Atlanta watching the World Series for a little bit. Uh, messed up my abilities to record with a number of different co-hosts. So I'm flying solo this week, so you can get used to just hearing my voice this time. If solo podcasts are a huge turnoff for you, feel free to turn me off, I guess. Uh, but uh, this will be a one-time thing. You'll hear me back with one of my regular co-hosts next week. So in the meantime, I'm going to break down these nine fights for you pretty quickly. And as you know, I start each and every round by putting five minutes on the clock. And I'm going to start this round by talking about Alex Pereira versus Andre Nicolaitis. So Pereira, for those of you who don't know, is only three and one, and he's making his UFC debut. All of his wins so far are by knockout. And most recently, he fought for LFA back in 2020. Nicolaitis, meanwhile, 1-1 one one in the UFC. He lost to Modestus Bukowskis by knockout in his debut, but since then has beaten KB Buller by decision. That was coming down to 185 pounds after making his debut at 205. So he's 1-0 down at 185. Now, the very interesting facet of this fight that a lot of people are talking about is whether or not Pereira is actually an MMA fighter or if he's a kickboxer who's getting by with his kickboxing skills. I think really that's what this fight is all about, is whether or not... Pereira can actually do the things he needs to do as a kickboxer, as an MMA fighter. Uh, he's shown he could do it on the regional circuit. He's shown he could do it for LFA. But that, that's a whole different animal here in the UFC. Now, the problem is, Michaelitis, not necessarily known for his takedown abilities. You know, he's got a couple of attempts in there, a couple of successions. So you've seen him on the regional circuit do some things. I just don't think he's the right kind of guy to get Pereira out of there. So, for my official pick on this one, I'm going with Alex Pereira. I'm looking for a knockout prop because I do think he's probably going to get the job done here. 
Otherwise, you can expect them sort of to get suffocated for 15 minutes here. And that brings us to our second fight, which is one with lots of veterans in it, and that's Al Iaquinta versus Bobby Green. Iaquinta has a really long UFC career, but he's just one in three in his last four fights. It's led a lot of people to writing him off. He lost to Dan Hooker in October of 2019, and that's his last fight since then. So he's actually been gone for a little over two years. Bobby Green, meanwhile, uh, he had won three in a row at a certain point, but since then he's dropped two in a row to Tiago Moises and Rafael Fiziev, both those fights by decision. So I think the the whole breakdown of this fight can kind of be brought down to whether or not Ally Quinta actually has one foot out the door or if he did just take some time off to get better in some things. And that's a really hard thing to break down when you're looking at a fight. For that reason, it's kind of one of those fights that I'm staying away from if I'm betting because you don't know which Ally Quinta is going to show up. If it is the Ally Quinta we know and love, the one that we kind of expect to see here, I think Ally Quinta has got the skills to beat Bobby Green. I think he's the right kind of fighter to beat somebody like Bobby Green. He's got good takedown defense. We saw it against Habib. He's one of the few people who've stuffed Habib. And I think he's kind of got the boxing where he can hang with Bobby Green, even if Green's a little bit faster here. So uh, I'm officially going to go with Ally Aquinta by decision here, but I will say I am a little bit worried about, you know, kind of what all of that entails. And that brings us to our last fight of the first round, which is Phil Hawes versus Chris Curtis. Uh, Phil Hawes, 3-0 in the UFC, beat Jacob Malkin, Nasuruddin Imovov, and Kyle Dawkins all fairly easily. Chris Curtis, meanwhile, 26-8 making his debut. He has been waiting so long for this chance. He beat UFC veteran Kenny Robertson at XMMA 2 back in July. That was his last fight. The, the facet of this fight for me, and, and we I can keep this one super simple, is that Chris Curtis is coming up a weight class here for his debut. He's not a guy who's shown a lot of interest in fighting at middleweight, and I think he's mostly just doing it because this got him his contract. Um, he was a little bit worried about losing it when when perhaps uh, the fight didn't go his way or the, the potential fight didn't go his way a couple of weeks ago. So uh, he's fighting a guy up a weight class who's much more athletically gifted than him, much more skilled than he is, younger, faster, it's kind of a nightmare matchup for him. So I'm going to say Phil Hawes gets the finish here. If I had to pick a round, I'm going to say Chris Curtis being as tough as he is, is going to help him survive for the early parts of a round. But I'm going to say I'll take uh, Phil Hawes here by third round knockout. So for my first round roundup here, I'm going to take Alex Pereira, Ally Quinta, and Phil Hawes. And I will see you just a moment in round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features about the All-Star app, it's got to be the player bios. Because when you're looking to do a little bit of research on, hey, let's say an upcoming fight between Justin Gaethje and Michael Chandler, well, you can just click on that fight, which is super easy to find in the first place. It's right there in their scores tab. And you're not only going to get when that fight is happening, but you're going to get the opening and current lines. The cool thing about that is you know what side the money's coming in on. You can sort of time your bets a little bit better. And, and they've not just got that for the fighters either. They've also got that for the totals. Whether you're going over or under, the opening and current lines are right there as well. And it's so much more than betting lines. They've got full records dating back to their pro debuts and so much more. So just go download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the Apple Store, or by visiting the theallstar.io because it's going to make your next bet better. All right, and I am back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And I'm going to start this round by talking about Edmund Shabazian versus the aforementioned Nasoruddin Imovov. Shabazian thought to be a pro- top prospect at one point in time. He's since lost two in a row to Jack Hermanson and Derek Brunson. 
Nasir Dimumovov, meanwhile, 2-1 in the UFC. He's coming off a knockout victory over Ian Heinish. That loss, of course, was to Phil Hawes, who we talked about just a second ago. My big interest in this fight is whether or not Shabazian, who's kind of struggled with just the tippity-top guys in the division, whether it's something that people figured out about him, specifically with his grappling and whether or not he can be threatening with it, or if it's just sort of a problem facing the top guys in the division, facing the Jack Hermansons and the Derek Brunsons, who are really gifted grapplers. And for me in this fight, I am actually concerned when I go to break it down. I, I think there seems to be... Um, less skill in his striking lately. He's less sure of his striking lately. And as a result, it's harder for him to get to his grappling. And again, that could be from facing higher level competition. But I actually think Imovov is higher level competition. He's a guy who, I mean, he he lost a majority decision to, to Phil Hawes. But he is a really, really skilled dude in there. He's got great striking. He's shown he's got the takedown defense. I think he's going to stay away from Shabazian. Kind of pick him apart here. I don't expect him to finish Shabazian, but I am going to take him by decision here. I think Nasoradini move off, uh, picks him apart, forces him to stay away from his wrestling game, and just ultimately is a better striker than Edmund Shabazian. So uh, I'm going to take him off here by decision. And that brings me to the second fight in the third round, which is Ian Gary, the highly touted Ian Gary versus Jordan Williams. Gary, as I said, highly touted, 7-0, making his debut. He's the Cage Warriors welterweight champ, or at least was. He won that with a victory over Jack Grant. Williams, meanwhile, 0-2 in the UFC. He lost to the aforementioned Nasoradim Ibovov and really badly to Mickey Gall last time. So, you know, a lot of people are calling this a setup fight for Ian Gary, trying to get him the right kind of fighter for him to pick up an easy win in his debut. And as much as I like Jordan Williams, I do really like the guy personally. And I think he's got some really nice wrestling skills. I just think this is an awful matchup for him. Ian Gary, so fast on the feet and has the wrestling skills where he could take it to the ground if he wanted. He could just pull a Mickey Gall game plan on on Jordan Williams here and Rene could choke him. Or he could head kick him. Uh, and, And I think the diversity of striking here from Ian Gary is going to be such a nightmare for Jordan Williams, who does kind of tend to be one note. He kind of tends to be a brawler who's trying to get himself to his wrestling. And I think since Ian Gary is going to know what's coming, it's going to wind up being far too easy for him to sort of pick apart Jordan Williams and do whatever he wants with him. So uh, for my official pick, I'm taking Ian Gary here. I think he gets him out of there. Uh, I'll say a KO instead of a submission. I think he could go to the submission for the finish, but I think ultimately he'll take the knockout. And that brings me to the last fight of the second round, which is Jean Vellante versus Chris Barnett. Jean Vellante has announced he's retiring after this fight, and he has lost three straight, which makes sense. Uh, and, of course, both of his heavyweight fights, uh, one to Maurice Green, one to Jake Collier. So he's 0-3 in his last three and is talking about retirement. And he's fighting Chris Huggy Bear Barnett, who is a guy kind of like Chris Curtis, who's had a really long run leading him to the UFC. He lost his debut to Ben Rothwell by submission. That was back in May. You know, I already was having a real tough time looking at John Volante as a guy who could last 15 minutes. He's slow. He's gained a ton of weight. He looks like he's not serious about his training anymore. And now to find out he's got one foot out the door, literally, he's about to retire and become, I believe, a phys ed teacher he said he's going to do. I just don't have any confidence that he comes in here having put together a really nice training camp for his last fight. I, th- I think he's going to phone it in. He just wants one more chance at fighting. It's sad to say that against a veteran, uh, about a veteran who's who's put in some really fun fights and some entertaining fights and had a long career with the UFC, but he he seems to be over it now, and uh, I, it's, I'm glad to hear he's retiring if that's the case. Uh, but he seems to be over it, and he's fighting a guy 
who despite the fact that he is very large, uh, Chris Barnett, if you have not seen him fight, you didn't watch the Ben Rothwell fight, hadn't seen him uh, in his previous fights, including fighting an open weight back in the day for Road FC. Like, go back and watch him. He's a huge dude, and he's got great cardio. Um, he Spinning, taekwondo kicks, he, he lays it all out there, and he can last 15 minutes. So, for me here, I think Jean Vellante just tires as the fight goes later and later. I like, like Chris Barnett here to probably get a third-round finish. That's what I'm going to say, third-round TKO, which, by the way, if you can get that prop, the uh, prop for knockout by Chris Barnett is actually, like, plus 255 last I checked, so I'd hop all over that. And that's going to do it for the second round. I'm going to take a quick break, and I will be right back with round number three. All right, guys, another thing I really love about the All-Star app is their news feed. If you're the type of person who gets sports news from social media, you got to stop doing that because you got to start reading the All-Star app. They use a proprietary algorithm that brings you only the highest quality sports news on the planet. Plus, you can personalize your feed so that you only get the stuff that you care about. And it's all right there in one nice, neat little spot. So if that sounds like something you like, and I think you would, download the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. All right, now I'm back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And I'm going to start this round by talking about Dustin Jacoby versus John Allen. So Jacoby, 3-0-1 in the UFC. He knocked out Darren Stewart back in August. He is nipping at the heels of the top 15 right now. He's fighting John Alon, who is coming off a split decision loss to Roman Delize in December of 2020, a fight which no media member scored for him. In fact, no media member out of the 19 on the MMA decisions even gave him a single round, including one, one who gave him uh, a 10-8 lost round as well. So, you know, not actually a split decision. It's the classic Chris Lee moment. But he's in here fighting against Dustin Jacoby, who's, a you know, t- slowly turning into a top 15 guy in the light heavyweight division. The only thing that gives me any pause here on Dustin Jacoby is the fact that he's taking this fight on short notice, right? He is a guy who has had some decent training camps before. He obviously fights with a good team. But at the same time, you got to worry about him taking a fight on, on just a week's notice. What's his weight cut like going to look like? What's his gas tank going to look like? It's looked good in the past, but you got to worry a little bit. Ultimately, I'm not worried enough to pick against him because I think he is way more talented of a kickboxer. We saw the way he survived like the onslaught of Ian Kudalaba. So he can clearly take a punch, get exhausted, and still be the fresher fighter. I think he does that here to John Alon. I think he gets a second or third round TKO. Uh, so I'm going to take Dustin Jacoby here. And that brings me to my second to last fight, which is Melsic Bogdasarian versus Bruno Souza. Bogdasarian knocked out Colin Anglin in July. That was his UFC debut. Souza, meanwhile, is making his UFC debut at 10 and 1. He's the LFA featherweight champ, or at least was when he won it back in August. I assume he's relinquished it to sign with the UFC. It, it seems like this is going to be an electric fight. For those of you who don't know, Bruno Souza uh, works really well in the clinch, throws some really nice elbows when he can get the fight to the mat. I think he's probably got an advantage there, like a pretty interesting advantage there. Uh, I just don't think he's going to do that enough against Melsic Bogdasarian. What, what we've seen out of him, you know, time and time again, people were talking, oh, he's a kickboxer. Oh, he can't stop the takedown. We saw him on the contender series. He stopped the takedown. He looked great doing it, and then he lit his opponent up and lasted 15 minutes. He also showed he can go out there and flatline somebody like he did Colin Anglin in his last fight. So, 
Yeah, like, I think there are reasons to doubt somebody like Melsic Vogdazarian, uh, who is a kickboxer, you know, like, for the same reasons we wonder about whether or not Alex Pereira is the real deal, who we're going to see fight uh, on the, the main event of the prelims, if you want to call it that. So there's reasons to doubt Bogdasarian, but ultimately, there's not enough that Bruno Silva is ready to do, and him taking the fight on short notice. Uh, I, I'm going to lean away from Souza here, and I'm going to take Melsic Bogdasarian. I'm going to say he gets the knockout, because I will say Souza can be a little reckless, and I think that probably gets him caught here. And the very last fight of the prelims, which is actually the first fight of the prelims, is CJ Vergara versus Ode Osborne. Vergara knocked out Bruno Correa on the second episode of the Contender Series earlier this year. That was in September, and he's already getting a fight. Uh, he's fighting Ode Osborne, who's 1-2 and two in the UFC. He ate a flying knee from an El Cap in his August loss, which was his most recent fight. Before that, he beat Jerome Rivera, who I believe went 0-4 in the UFC before they released him. So certainly not a win that you can really hang your hat on. Um, the question here is, uh, you know, w- when I broke down Vergara's fight on the Contender Series on uh, one of the other podcasts I do, which you can obviously listen to all of them, when uh, when I broke him down, I was worried he's not aggressive enough. Uh, sort of the bane of his existence has been not being aggressive enough. And he came out against Bruno Correa and just absolutely blitzed in there, got in the clinch, started throwing stuff, immediately got the finish. Um, my worry about Ode Osborne doesn't use his length well enough. He is one of the taller flyweights you will ever see. Doesn't use it well enough. Gets stuck in the clinch. Gets stuck in grappling exchanges. Isn't as good in those situations. And I will say this. Vergara coming in here as an underdog. Being overly aggressive sometimes leads you to the clinch. Sometimes leads you to better situations against guys who are long like that. I'm going to take a stab at the newcomer. I'm going to take CJ Vergara here. I say he gets it done by decision just by controlling that position just a little bit more. Uh, I, I really think that this is kind of a coin toss fight, but in a coin toss fight, you're going to pick somebody. You might as well take the one with a big fat plus 160 next to his name in CJ Vergara. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take Vergara here. So, uh, yeah, he's my last and final pick. And that is nine fights in just a little under 15 minutes. I hope you guys learned something and weren't bothered too much by the fact that I didn't have a co-host this week. I promise you once again that I will have one next week. In the meantime, you can follow me at Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. Uh, you can also check out my po- other podcast on the Top Turtle MMA Network, which is obviously Top Turtle MMA. We are this week talking with Billy Quarantillo and the aforementioned Chris Curtis about their fights this upcoming weekend, as well as giving you some betting tips that you might want to listen in on. Uh, that's me and my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. You can also find my writing uh, at cagesidepress.com or the all-star app, uh, which we've talked about already. Uh, you can find some of it at the sports gambling podcast. Of course, just follow me on Twitter. You'll find it all, uh, in one nice, neat little spot. So, uh, oh, in MMA dash manifesto. Don't forget there too. Uh, you get a couple of goodies there each and every week. Um, so, uh, I believe at this point I'm just signing off. I will catch you guys next week. Once again, with the co-host.